Your financial choices may discuss various financial-related topics and thus would like to offer the following disclosures. Lori Siebert is employed by Valley National Group, the Valley National Financial Advisors Group of Companies. Investments are offered through Valley National Investments Incorporated, member FINRA. We inform you that any federal tax, state tax, financial advice, or information contained in this communication is not intended to be personalized or specific in nature or to be relied upon for your personal situation in any circumstance. The advice and information are not intended and cannot be used as a tax opinion letter nor used for the purpose of avoiding tax-related penalties. For personalized advice specific to your own situation, we recommend that you consult your CPA, CFP, or attorney. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. I am a CPA, CFP professional, and AEP on the web at yourfinancialchoices.com. And you can listen online each and every week at WDIY.org, as well as on the WDIY listening app, and of course, many streaming services. Today is September 27, 2023. The markets were mixed today with the Dow closing down at 33550 The NASDAQ up at 13,092 and the S&P up at 4,274. Our topic this evening, what's new in business? We are live tonight. We'll take your questions. Bob and Cindy are in the studio with us this evening. We'll answer your calls, take your information, and we ask you to mute your radio so you can hear me without the delay and we can talk without confusion. We discuss general financial planning topics and not specific investments. And while I typically have a topic each week, you can still ask questions off topic. I'll do my best to answer them. The number again, 610-758-8810. That might not have been an again. It was the first time. 610-758-8810. Email is also available at yourfinancialchoices.com. And if you prefer not to speak live, just give your question to Cindy and Bob will run the question in to us in the studio. Tonight, what's new in business? And I have a guest with me in the studio, a repeat guest, and that is Tom Riddle. Tom is a certified public accountant and certified financial planner professional and the founder and chairman of Valley National Group or Valley National Financial Advisors. He holds a bachelor's or a BA from Lafayette College in mathematics and economics and holds an MBA degree from Lehigh University. Tom received the Alexander E. Loeb Gold Medal Award for the highest score on the CPA exam in Pennsylvania in 1977. I love that statistic, and that's one of my favorite ones to say about Tom. It says something about uh, his ability here. So, Tom, welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming in. Laura, thanks for having me again. This is great to be here on the show. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about business, one of your favorite subjects tonight. That's right. I've been involved with uh, many different types of business, uh, our financial services business. I uh, founded 38 years ago uh, during the time period after uh, forming this company. So I also got involved in many real estate v- uh, adventures and I should say adventures and ventures both. Mm-hmm. Uh, including student housing, affordable housing, uh, a marina and restaurant in Florida, and a number of other commercial uh, office buildings in the Lehigh Valley. Wonderful. So you come with a a boatload of experience on this topic in particular this evening. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the trends that, that we're seeing about what's new in business and particularly, uh, I thought it would be important to talk about the trends we're seeing in working hybrid or in office or remote work 
and how that's impacted uh, how commercial real estate development uh, has been reacting or um, trending with all of that. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. The uh, commercial office industry, not only in the United States, but in particular Lehigh Valley, has undergone significant changes in response to the rise of co-working and shared office and flexible office space. The advent of these has led to a shift of the way companies approach workspace design and leasing practices. So what is co-working and shared office and flexible office space? It's uh, a working arrangement where people from different companies share an office space. And these spaces are managed by a third party, uh, offer cost savings and convenience to the users through the use of common infrastructure. Common infrastructure would mean uh, you share one receptionist. So you have one data network and Wi-Fi. You have a conference room that you can use upon demand, usually for an extra fee. Uh, another infrastructure, common infrastructure is a boardroom. Typically, there's a boardroom in a co-working or flexible office or a shared office space. So these <clears throat> shared facilities offer a and foster a community uh, where uh, the tenants can collaborate and hold networking events. They could be ideal, especially for small companies, startups, or remote workers. And these, spare, uh, these offices uh, offer a professional community without the troubles of a traditional office environment. They offer flexibility and provide an opportunity for um, startup companies and other companies to get into a leasing arrangement without having to sign a long-term lease. Many Or buy a building. Or buy a building. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a big outlet outlay. And when it comes to <clears throat> startup companies especially, Getting into a, a building and getting into a space without having to commit to a three or five year or even a 10 year lease is one of the big benefits of the co-working, flexible office and uh, shared office space arrangement. Now, <clears throat> co-working spaces can be noisy and distracting because it's typically in a large uh, open space, but that's why the flexible office and uh, shared office space in the Lehigh Valley using private offices have been in bigger demand. And um, the co-working space that's in a wide open space can lack privacy or opportunities for quiet and confidential conversations. But that's again why many uh, shared office spaces and flexible office spaces provide the opportunity to an individual private office. Okay. So you get an individual private office with a receptionist, with a conference room at your demand and uh, also uh, other uh, benefits like the networking and uh, IT. Okay, so Tom, as a, as a business owner, you feel like this is a, a, a trend going away from individual companies either buying buildings or doing long-term leases. They're, they're, this is a, an option for businesses that may be more attractive and it may even be just for the short term as we're still navigating the um, switch from working in an office to hybrid to um, remote work. Well, it's, it's difficult to say for sure where I can see this heading, but I can tell you that 
in the Lehigh Valley, by the end of this year, there'll be 12 different facilities that are providing, 12 different office buildings that are providing shared office space or flexible office space or co-working. In the United States, uh, uh, this is 2022 statistics, there were 6,200 uh, offices offering shared office space or flexible office space or co-working. So it's, a, it's been growing since the early 2000s and now has become a, a large force in the, in the real estate uh, commercial office industry. Okay, so I think what we could maybe talk about in a little bit more detail when we come from this next break is, is what that actually looks like because I think what you're saying is uh, traditionally when people thought of shared working spaces it was wide open where there were those distractions and it sounds like what you're saying is it's kind of morphed when we think of shared working spaces into something that still feels like maybe that old in-office uh, experience that feels where you have a little bit more privacy but maybe uh, more affordable for certain businesses so we'll talk more about those little details when we come back if people have questions there's you know, open topic. It doesn't have to be about this in particular. We're talking with Tom Riddle, founder and chairman of Valley National Financial Advisors. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. That's 610-758-8810. We'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including fee-based asset management. It all starts with personal goals and an understanding of risk tolerance, investment objectives, and the markets. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. Thank you to the members of WDIY for making all the programming you hear possible. Becoming a WDIY member is the best way to support your listening and to ensure WDIY will be here for the next person in our community to discover. Make your membership gift today at 610-694-8100, extension 4, or wdiy.org. We couldn't be here without you. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810, and we can talk live on air with you, or if you're not comfortable talking live, give your question to Cindy and Bob will run the question into us. I'm sitting here with Tom Riddle, founder and chairman of Valley National Financial Advisors, um, an entrepreneur himself. And we are talking about just some facets of what's new in business. And I think top of mind um, from a business owner's standpoint is navigating this whole hybrid work model, bringing employees in, letting them work remote, some hybrid always or typically we still have a need for some type of office environment. Um, so, Tom, you had mentioned that I think traditionally people think of a shared office space as some big open concept. I know that quite often um, in my own children who have an apartment in San Diego, they have meeting rooms and it is wide open where people can go work, but it does not offer that privacy one might expect if you're doing confidential telephone calls and things like that. And what it, it seemed to me you were alluding to here is that the commercial office industry has seen changes and how they, um, I would say, set up work for that kind of co-working or shared office space environment. So maybe um, for for 
people who are out there listening who are business owners who may be interested in kind of revisiting this concept, what can you um, further explain to them about this shared uh, resources? It sounds like, you know, you're not having to go into a long-term lease was one, maybe not having to buy the building, which we can probably talk about more a little bit later. But as far as the actual benefits of that shared working space in a little bit more detailed and, and what does it look like and feel like? A big picture look, think uh, many years down the road in the future, uh, historians will look back upon our decade, you know, the 20s, the 2020s, as a time of very rapid change in business. Think about everything that's happened during the last three or four years. We had the pandemic, then we had huge amounts of technological advancement that changed the way businesses are operating. Now, one of the big output from that is businesses just hesitate before they have to commit to long-term contracts for a lease, for any type of arrangement. And they're looking for flexibility. So that flexibility is what drives most businesses to look at, well, what other alternatives do I have other than a traditional office leasing arrangement where I have to sign a lease for a long period of time and there's also all these other costs that come along with it and you have landlord issues. So I don't want to do that. A lot of companies come to that conclusion, but what are the other options? So the co-working and space, uh, flexible office space and uh, shared office space is one answer to that. And uh, from the flexibility, you have all kinds of different arrangements that you can look at in this environment. There are companies that offer many uh, amenities that go with the office space. And that'd be private offices, uh, more support other than just a receptionist, uh, more technological support with IT and providing internal IT structures that will facilitate if you have special regulatory requirements that you can't allow others onto your network and things like that. There are providers here in the Lehigh Valley that can provide the technological capability that you need. And, you, and they also provide the furniture. So some of the older, more seasoned uh, companies in the area, like the oldest one, has been in existence here in the Lehigh Valley. The, the office quarters have been here in, a, in existence for over 20 years. And they now manage about 35,000 square feet of office space that is used for the office quarters, clients in shared office space and flexible office space and, uh, and co-working. So existed a long time before the pandemic. A long time. So this isn't a new concept. It's not a new concept that's been around for decades. But there could be a bigger demand for it now. I think the demand is coming. And we're seeing that just in Lehigh Valley, as I mentioned there, by the end of the year, there are going to be 12 different office buildings with at least part of the building dedicated to co-working or flexible office or uh, shared office space. So who's responsible then for the kind of that workspace? Because uh, you had said someone might have different technological you know, needs. What about even the workspace design? Does the tenant have any say in that or... Are you usually arranging that beforehand? Um, some providers have limited flexibility in the type of offering that they can provide to the, to the tenant. And 
in that case, it's, here it is, take it or leave it. Others have more flexibility in redesigning an area, maybe docking down a wall or adding a wall or adding some temporary structure to provide more privacy. Uh, some providers have private phone booths. So if you are working in an open area and you have a private conversation that you want to have, you can use a, use a phone booth mm -hmm. that's in, internal to the operation in the building and or a private conference room. Mm -hmm. But typically it's probably designed in such a generic way that it could accommodate any business because it could be a short-term lease. It could be by the day, by the month, by the week. I don't know how any of that works. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, most providers provide a day office for the for a day use. Some provide for a weekly. Some provide for two or three days a week, every week. So there's a flexible arrangement that most providers will offer uh, those tenants. Mm -hmm. And then how does one... I guess, it, I mean, I, I would suppose there's probably little complications to all of these things. So who who would broker that discussion? Is it a realtor that helps fit these people into these arrangements? Or like how does a business owner, if someone's interested in this, how do they even find out about it? In New York, almost all of the, of, of the majority of the tenants come to the landlord through a broker. Mm -hmm. In the Lehigh Valley, it's just the opposite very small percent of the tenants go to a broker and get a broker involved. Most of them just do a search. Okay. You know, office for rent near me or co-working or flexible office or shared office near me or near whatever the location is that you want. Well, we're talking about what's new in business. To me, that sounds like a business opportunity for a realtor <laughs> to, to get in and, and do this, do that legwork for these businesses who, who would probably appreciate the time saved to have someone else navigate all of that, you know, give the requirements and, and, uh, and do it. And sometimes those realtors, I know in New York city, that's how my daughter got her apartment. We were, we were Johnny on the spot because he had connections and, and got into a great building. Um, okay. So the, uh, it's out there, it's available. It had been around. We're seeing more of it coming. What are some of the other benefits? You talked about the flexibility and the the workspace design um, and well, technology. Most, what about the technology? Did you, did you feel like that was covered? Yeah, I, th I think that we did touch upon the technology, but I, I would say that one of the differentiators between uh, one provider of this type of a solution versus another is the technology framework that they offer. You know, mm -hmm. there's that, that Wi-Fi system that is set up and the furniture that's provided. You know, mm -hmm. what kind of furniture is it? Is it you know, most of the providers provide the furniture and the space. All you do is come in and plug your computer in and get started to work. Well, I suppose that could even vary depending on how sophisticated the um, tenant might be because I might want, you know, upgraded furniture and someone else might not care about that depending on the clients or the services that they're providing um tom i'm just going to mention that we had a call come in from marty in allentown and marty we're going to take that um i'll answer that it was off air we'll answer that question when we come back from the break so thank you for calling that in if other listeners have questions the phone number is 610-758-8810 that's 610-758-8810 we'll be back in just a moment 
WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including income tax preparation for individuals, businesses, estates, and trusts. Tax preparation involves more than putting numbers on a return. It requires planning. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. WDIY presents a selection of award-winning public affairs programs weeknights from 6 to 7 p.m. Listen to important conversations regarding art, science, politics, and more here in the Lehigh Valley and beyond. Check our website for new topics and archive programs. WDIY Public Affairs on 88.1 FM, streaming at WDIY.org, on the app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1, also on the WDIY app. Uh, if you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. We're talking about what's new in business with Tom Riddle, founder and chairman, CPA, CFP professional at Valley National Financial Advisors. And we had Marty call in with a question, and the, it goes as this. Husband is going to be semi-retired, working part-time at the end of the year. She's not eligible for retiring for six years, and there was a small inheritance of $30,000, they have a $20,000 mortgage, $9,000 of credit card debt. And the question was, should one pay off the debt, invest the inheritance, or put in a savings account because not they don't have a lot of savings or some combination? Um, Marty, this is just going to be kind of a general um, observation because I don't have all the specific information to give you, you know, a, a full recommendation. This show is educational. But what I would say, and I have said on prior shows, is it's very important to understand what assets and liabilities you have, what kind of earnings you have on those assets, and how much those liabilities are costing you. And, you know, more importantly, to make sure that you're kind of managing your your cash flow. What I would kind of just, my observations are you had the small inheritance land in your lap. It wasn't something that you probably were counting on. I'd have to know what kind of inheritance it is. Is it a, inheriting an IRA account or 401k account, life insurance, or some type of investment? But let's pretend it's just 30000 cash. Now, what are you going to do with it? You may or may not have an emergency reserve. You said you didn't have a lot of savings. So I really like people to have an emergency reserve. Um, but I also see that you have this $9,000 credit card debt. I'm more concerned about that than I am about the mortgage. So the credit card debt, if the interest rate on that is 24, 25, 29%, uh, I, I like to see that credit card debt paid off. Um, quite often, if you're only making minimum payments, you're, you're, it's going to be very difficult to ever get out from under that. Now, if you're someone who would pay it off and then rack it back up again, I would say really spend some time looking at how you're spending money. Um, this is me not judging, not knowing you, but just be very careful of how you're spending money because when you have that much credit card debt, it tells me you're you're probably spending beyond your means. Um, or it could have been from an emergency in the past or maybe student loan payments or something like that. So it could be an opportune time to kind of get that down, get rid of that high interest rate um, card that could be costing you two or $3,000 a year just in interest. The mortgage, it sounds like it's a small balance. 
which tells me it could be an old mortgage, which tells me it could be a very low interest rate. Not really worried about that. Um, that you probably could just continue to pay over time. That way you're only using some of the inheritance for the credit card debt, which saves you a monthly payment, which would help you uh, build up your cash reserves again if you're not having to pay for the credit card every month and uh, keep you from racking up further interest on, on money. Um, you know, I, I caution people when they put money on credit cards, sometimes it's like, oh, I can't resist that sale. I can't resist that discount. I've got to get it. But then you don't realize you're paying almost 30% in uh, finance charges on your credit card. So I, I would consider that the small inheritance if, if it's cash. If it's an IRA, then you're going to have a tax consequence on that per, per, possibly. And um, I might try to time that out a little bit better and play tax brackets. You said your husband's semi-retired working part-time. Maybe next year might be a lower income year for you. And if you were going to pull from an IRA or an taxable account, it might um, have less tax impact in a low income year. But um, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of credit card debt at all. So that is that would be the first place I would look to see how much it costs. Tom, I don't know if you want to add anything. That was a long answer, but Marty, I appreciate I the call. I think you touched upon all uh, relevant <laughs> aspects. Okay. Good, good job. <laughs> this is my mentor. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so, Tom, getting back to talking about the commercial office space, we talked about the flexibility, you know, some workspace design and technology. Uh, anything else you want to add to that before we talk, uh, dig into some kind of tax implications of uh, owning real estate? Yeah, just in summary, uh, I think that uh, the real estate industry is changing rapidly, especially commercial office. And every company out there is going through the same process of right-sizing their office space in relation to their workforce. And uh, the co-working, shared office, and flexible office space choices provide a lot of flexibility f for some companies. And for others, it's not a, a good result, but for many companies, they would be uh, wise to consider how they can reduce their footprint of the size of the office by using something like a shared office space. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like um, the shared office space is um, particularly intriguing for startup businesses, which I think we also saw through the pandemic? People who realized they could work from home, had more time to think about it, maybe were doing some startup businesses. That could be an that, opportunity. That is one example. I think there's uh, four or five or six I could think of that would fit into that category. Another category would be a company who expects to get a big contract or maybe get, lands a big contract. They need to hire some people. They don't know how long that contract's going to last, but they need to hire people. So they need space. They don't need a long-term commitment because they may not know how long the contract's going to last. Okay. And you've been talking about office buildings typically where you're, you were talking about leasing, you know, which is landlord and tenant kind of relationship. But Tom, there could be people who have had businesses who own the office buildings, use them for their own business and are also finding that it's on this hybrid model not being utilized to the mm -hmm. extent it was before. Are you seeing that there could be a trend in sales in these buildings or? Yeah, well, there definitely is a trend in office building sales. In fact, there's a big trend in, in real estate sales. Uh, obviously, real estate's gone up significantly um, and uh, investors and uh, property owners 
who are successfully selling their properties are seeing very large gains. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk about that, the tax implications of that. What about uh, any conversion of office space to residential? Is that too complicated? Would it be too costly? Because there's a shortage of residential housing. Well, that has happened. Um, in a number of cases here in the Lehigh Valley, there has been a conversion of uh, commercial to residential. In some cases, you have to get zoning approval for that. Mm-hmm. Some cases, zoning has not been cooperative mm-hmm. or open-minded about it. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's very different use. Different right? use, right. Yeah, very different. Right. Yeah. And... Um, so there's always uh, some things to consider. I think you need to get a team involved whenever you consider conversion from one use to another. Okay. And we're going to talk uh, when we come back about some of the tax implications of selling. And we can even touch on the tax implications of, you know, even owning uh, rental properties. Folks, if you have questions... The phone number is 610-758-8810. That's 610-758-8810. You can also email questions through the website, yourfinancialchoices.com. And we're going to continue our conversation with Tom Riddle, founder and chairman of Valley National Financial Advisors, in talking about what's new in business. Again, the phone number is 610-758-8810. We'll be back in just a minute. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including estate planning and tax preparation, especially for Pennsylvania and New Jersey residents subject to state inheritance tax reporting. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Tom, uh, oh, first, let me give the phone number, 610-758-8810. If you have any questions, 610-758-8810. If you're not comfortable talking live on air, you could just give your question to Cindy. She'll write it down. Bob will bring it in, just as we did for Marty in Allentown. Uh, Tom, we were talking a bit about then this commercial office space and how it's been changing and um, as companies realize they may not need the same office space as they had in the past, whether they convert it to this kind of shared workspace or possibly sell the property, um, there's implications of that. So usually when we're talking or working with real estate investors, they're looking for cash flow from from rents if they're um, investing in that property. They also are looking for appreciation in their investment, hoping that over time it'll be worth more. They like investing in, you know, rental real estate for the benefits of depreciation, which is a deduction that offsets that income. But what happens over time, that depreciation reduces the cost basis that they have in the property. And now years later, when they go to sell it, there would be a gain. Um, That could keep people from selling maybe at an opportune time if they're worried about the tax consequences. And there are some special tax rules around um, selling real estate. It's called section code IRS code section 1031 that's available that a lot of people might not be aware of um, because you have sophisticated real estate investors and you have more casual uh, real estate investors. So this is open 
to many investors. It's very complicated, but could you kind of talk a little bit about um, some of the tax implications of, of selling real estate and how you can kind of manage that a little bit? Thank you. Uh, thanks, Lori, for that question. I, I think that it's good for the listener to understand something basic about uh, the real estate industry. And um, Congress loves real estate. And over the decades, they have bestowed some very favorable tax treatment for owners and investors of real estate to entice them to invest and continue to invest in real estate. One of those benefits bestowed by Congress is Code Section 1031 that deals with uh, what happens whenever a real estate investor sells a property. And under Section 1031, it's very straightforward. If a real estate investor or business owner has property they currently own, they can sell that property. And if they reinvest the proceeds into a replacement property, replacement property is an important term, there's no immediate tax consequence to that particular transaction. In other words, they can sell a property for a large gain. Mm -hmm. And if they follow the rules on buying a replacement property, they can uh, defer paying taxes and in some cases permanently avoid paying taxes if they own the property at the time of their passing. So the big question here is, um, what are we really talking about? It's almost like, think about in the concept of if you have an IRA and you roll that IRA over to another IRA, you don't have to pay taxes on it. And that rollover is what we're doing here with the Section 1031. You're taking the money from the sold property and rolling it over into another replacement property. And if it's like-kind property, it qualifies for Section 1031. So, and the tax benefits of that, you had said it's, you kind of get to push back the tax consequences or possibly even def not have tax consequences ever if held at death. So could you just give me a little bit more detail on those tax benefits? Sure. That, so if you qualify for a Section 1031, the sale of the property, even though there might be a very large gain, is not taxed at this time uh, by the IRS and by the state of Pennsylvania because the state of Pennsylvania passed their own version of Section 1031, and it's uh, starting this year, 2023. You can sell a property here in Pennsylvania or be a Pennsylvania resident and avoid paying taxes or deferring taxes. And some investors, some real estate investors, Buy a, buy a property, sell it for a gain, roll over the money into another replacement property, own that for several years, sell that property, buy a larger property, and again, hold that until they sell it, and then roll the money several times during their lifetime. And if they own the real estate at their death, they get a permanent stepped-up basis. Under today's legislation. Under yeah. today's legislation. And so they can avoid the income tax. And this incentive is because, as you said, Congress loves uh, 
real estate and wants people to encourage them to uh, invest in buildings, offices, land, whatever kind of real estate. Mm -hmm. So you said replacement property. Why or how can we get some of these? Well, we can talk about the details of, of some of the, the intricacies of this because you do have to be very careful. Um, what is considered replacement property? For, uh, if you could give us some examples. Well, the IRS always has rules and definitions. So in the case of replacement property, that's the property you buy after you sell a piece of property. That replacement property has to meet the IRS definition of like kind. Mm -hmm. Now, generally, any real estate asset counts as like kind to another. So as long as both pieces of real estate were used for business or a productive use in a trade or an investment, that would be rental housing or it could be a sure house property that you rent. And uh, so it's a rental property or investment. an investment property, right. office building, land. Or, or a commercial office or okay. a commercial strip mall. Or, mm -hmm. uh, but um, if you use the property for only personal use, so if you have a sure house and you only use it for personal use, you never rent it out, that will not qualify as a like-kind because it's not used for rental or investment purposes. It's merely personally held. So that's one of the big carve-outs that the IRS uh, says you can't apply this to a, to a uh, personal use property. Do you know if you've used, let's say, that second home, that vacation, the beach house, for several years personally, and then you realize you never go there anymore, so you decide you're going to start renting it. So you live, you use it personally for five years, and now you rent it for ten years. Would that be eligible? By it, does using it personal at any time during the ownership period preclude you from taking advantage of ten thirty one? No, it does not. But the IRS looks at the facts and circumstances. If you use it personal use only mm -hmm. for five years, and then you start to rent it for two months and then sell the <laughs> property, they're going to look very closely at that transaction, but there, there's no t specific time usage written into Section 1031 or the regulations surrounding it. So the IRS will look at the facts and circumstances. If somebody owns a shore house for five years and rents it for two months, that's gonna be questionable. If they rent it for two years, I think it's a much stronger case that it's now like kind and will qualify for a Section 1031. Okay, good. So that is um, talking about the replacement property. So what are some of the other rules? Because I know it can be very complicated. And uh, we want people to understand that they need, you know, professional help. So, uh, so uh, There are some other exceptions. 1031. Oh, okay. Sec Let's go over those yeah, first. Code section 1031 does not um, apply to a developer who is in the building of, uh, build out of a, tract of land and sells off lots one at a time, mm -hmm. that, not, that does not qualify for Section 1031. So okay. if you're in the business of that, uh, Code Section 1031 does not apply to real estate investment trusts. Those are stocks. They trade like stocks on the New York Stock Exchange, and those are real estate investment trusts, sometimes mm -hmm. called REITs. Mm -hmm. They do not qualify as a uh, like-kind property, do not qualify for this treatment. Okay. If you own a piece of property inside a partnership, 
uh, or inside a real estate owned corporation, there are some special complications there. It's, it's possible to get a code section 1031 with a partnership, but there are some rules, additional rules that come into play. Mm-hmm. It gets a little more complicated. Mm-hmm. So make sure you understand the rules and what qualifies. Don't, don't get ahead of yourself. Get, get professional help. Um, so how do they make this um, like kind that it's not a taxable transaction? Well, there are a couple other requirements here. And one requirement is you must identify the property that you intend to buy within 45 days of selling your property that you sold. Okay, so there's a 45-day identification period. And then you have six months from the date of the sale of the old property to buy the new property. So there are some time periods there that you have to qualify for. And then during that holding period or during the time period from selling the old property to buying the new property, the money has to be held by a special entity called a qualified intermediary. Mm -hmm. So you personally cannot hold that money in a separate account. Instead, that money has to be held by a qualified intermediary who cannot be, in most cases, your attorney and cannot be, in most cases, your accountant. It has to be an independent party who typically is in this business. But if you have a good friend uh, who does this or you would trust holding the money, that can qualify as a, it can act as a qualified intermediary. But in my, my recommendation would be just to use somebody who's in this business as a qualified intermediary. And there's mm-hmm. a number of them out there. Mm-hmm. So I guess what, what do you feel the, the timing or the, um, the roadmap for someone who's holding real estate might follow to consider this. Like, so if I'm a real estate investor and I'm debating about whether I might want to sell something or not, or maybe I just want to diversify out of my current real estate holdings, um, what might my steps be? First, I, you know, think about, do I want to get rid of my property? What kind of gain would it be? Um, second, if I decide I don't want to sell because I don't want the gain and I want to do a 1031 exchange, my next thought would be, is there something else I want to buy and where? Um, third, if I do that, who am I using? Like, can you kind of tell me what that might look like? Yeah, the art of it. I think that first step, uh, an investor who owns property, who thinks they can sell a property for a certain amount, should run it through their tax return, go through their tax preparer and say, if I sell this piece of property for this amount of money, how much income taxes am I going to pay? And if that's answer that you get is shocks you, and it might, uh, then you would definitely consider whether or not you would just roll that money over into another type of real estate investment that you might want to own. And it could be raw land, it could be something with more effort required like residential housing or commercial Uh, or any number of things as long as it's real estate. And then if you identify a plan there that you say, oh, yeah, I got a lot of taxes, and yes, I think I want to own this type of a real estate, then you should get your professionals involved. You should have an attorney and an accountant involved to go through the fine details and make sure you qualify and don't make any missteps. Because on the like kind exchange, basically what you're saying is uh, if I don't want to recognize the gain on property one and the gain would be $800,000, let's say it's I sell it for, I would have sold it for a million. 
and it costs 200000 I would have an $800,000 gain. And I take that million and I put it into a million-dollar piece of land. My cost basis isn't a million dollars. That's correct. It's the cost basis of the prior piece of property. Correct. Which is why, then, you said if you hold it till death, that gets the step up in basis. But eventually, if you don't hold it till death, someone's going to pay the tax on the gain that you've kind of right. rolled forward mm-hmm. on all of these. Okay. So it's really um, an investment planning and estate planning and income tax planning scenario. So it's really important to work with a professional who kind of could see all of those scenarios. Okay, mm-hmm. folks, we're at our last break. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. That's 610-758-8810. When we come back, when we're talking with Tom Riddle, chairman and founder of Valley National Financial Advisors, we're talking about what's new in business. He's going to give us some information on an organization that I was not aware of. So I'm really excited to hear what this um, is going to be about, uh, an organization that will help Small businesses uh, meet other businesses, I think. Phone number 610-758-8810. We'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services including portfolio management, tax return preparation, and financial planning for the accumulation years, retirement years, and estate distribution. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. American folk music offers a variegated pattern of performers and styles. I'm Tom Druckenmiller, your host for In the Tradition. Together we'll trace the roots and branches of American folk music from the earliest recordings and performers through today's talented players. In the Tradition, Wednesday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. on WDIY 88.1 FM and WDIY.org. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1, also available on the WDIY listening app and on the website, yourfinancialchoices.com. Podcast of prior shows are also available on WDIY.org under public affairs programming. Just look for Your Financial Choices or on many streaming services. Yes, you can find it on NPR and many others. Um, We are talking with Thomas Riddle, chairman and founder of Valley National Financial Advisors. Tom is um, well-versed in businesses and business planning and real estate investing. So we were talking tonight about what's new in business, talking about the changing landscape of hybrid working, the impact of that on Uh, office building ownership and leases and rentals and how that is evolving into uh, shared workspaces that are more convenient and flexible, I would say, for that working environment. Um, Tom, we just talked about 1031 exchanges that if someone is looking to uh, sell real estate, if they want to stay in the real estate investment world, they have this... uh, tax code 10 section 1031 that allows them to kind of roll over gain into their next purchase um, to avoid paying taxes and and actually then they have the gross proceeds to buy the next one versus the net after taxes so if if the the logic is you're a real estate owner in whatever it might be residential office commercial um, land you 
if if you follow all the rules and they're applicable to you, you could um, not pay taxes on the gain and roll the proceeds into a new purchase. So we've talked about that. Lots of nuances. You've got to be careful about a lot of things and um, use a, a professional who's familiar with this. Um, but Tom, I also know that you've been more involved in uh, a local organization, and I think you wanted the opportunity to uh, talk about them this evening. I'll, I'll give the acronym LINK. So you're going to talk about LINK, and I think you're inviting them actually to, you, you have some uh, office space that is shared working space. Yeah, that's right. We have uh, a, co- a joint uh reception with link in uh, November, November 2nd at our shared office, flexible office space in the West end of Allentown. So the, you want to tell us more about link then? Yeah. I I didn't know much about link before I bumped into them with this, uh, uh, meeting that we have coming up, but I was introduced to them and I, first of all, I, I think that it's great to have an organization like this in the Lehigh Valley. It's a not-for-profit, and they've got some very lofty goals, and they're effective. They are really making a difference in the Lehigh Valley, and I think the more people that understand what they're doing and how they do it and what they do will certainly appreciate them uh, as a valued or part of our community. Now, Link, uh, Link is spelled L-I-N-C, L-I-N-C. Um, before we get into the, okay. yeah, before we get into the details about them, I think um, most listeners would be excited to know that Lehigh Valley is so broad, vibrant. I mean, we see the end result of this with all the traffic around, but you know, the traffic means there's a lot of economic activity. You know, but when you look at our area as compared to other municipalities in the Lehigh and in, in the state of Pennsylvania. Three of the top five uh, fastest growing municipalities are here in the Lehigh Valley. Three of the top five in the state of Pennsylvania are here. Easton, Bethlehem, and uh, McCungie. Oh, McCungie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Three of the top five. And when you look at Lehigh Valley as a whole, it ranks number two in the country of... um, in our economic uh, size, in how quickly we're growing. Mm-hmm. So Lehigh Valley and these particular municipalities are growing quickly. And there's a reason for that, a lot of reasons. But it's good to have an organization such as Link that can help uh, the whole process of recruiting and what happens whenever somebody comes to town for an interview. Uh, They're very, very helpful. So what does LINK stand for? LINK stands for Learning, Inclusion, Networking, Community. Okay. And their vision and mission is they're dedicated to creating communities and workplaces where everyone feels welcome, gets rooted, and thrives. Its mission is to foster trusted connections that attract and support newcomers while advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion in organizations. So it, it's helping businesses or individuals as well? Both. Okay. It's helping both businesses and individuals. Okay. And what do they do to help? 
Well, number one, they support the hiring process. They don't get involved in actual interviewing, but they support. Oh, that's why they help individuals and businesses then, because if they're helping in the hiring process, they're kind of bringing those individuals together with the businesses. Okay. Not so much. No? They're, they're not okay. really in the recruiting. Oh, okay. They're, it's after the recruiter gets involved and gets an interview with a prospect that's from out of town, especially. Oh, okay. Link is a partner to recruiters and hiring managers by offering consultations, area tours, and customized family itineraries to candidates that are considering relocating to a job here in the Lehigh Valley. Mm. So they have a community transition support and they typically set up a one-to-one connection with a link staff who offers vetted resources and support to the family unit who's looking to relocate here. So it's not offering these get to know the Lehigh Valley to only the job candidate, it's to the job candidate's partner or spouse Mm -hmm. and the whole family who might have some special type of requirements to be comfortable here in the Mm -hmm. Lehigh Valley. Mm -hmm. Okay, because I, I know we moved here from Michigan back in 1988. I think. And yes, you had to find out where's the best place to live. And it was kind of hard to to know which, you know, town we should live in, what school district we wanted, what would be the commute time and all of that. So they kind of come in and help and say, okay, you want a short commute, you want a long commute, you only have one car. Here's the schools we're interested in. You want a parochial school or a a public school, that kind of thing. Exactly. All that, all that and more. Okay. What, What type of community do you want to live in? Do you want to live in a suburban or urban? Do you want to have uh, access to mass transit that we have? Or mm-hmm. what are your religious requirements, religious needs, and what are those requirements? What are your, they have a whole checklist, and there are, in every family unit, there are a number of things that need to be considered, and they're the consultants that help make the connection to the Lehigh Valley. So uh, two spouses coming into the area, one spouse is recruited, has a job, which was this, our situation, and I had to go find my own job. So Carl was recruited from the University of Michigan, and, and I came and took several months to find something. Do they help with that? That is exactly mm-hmm. what they do. That is on the checklist. Mm-hmm. And they would be working with, uh, with that family unit with a one-on-one relationship. They arrange tours if, the, uh, if there's a special talent that the other spouse has, they can also help uh, source that use of the uh, talent. Okay, so th- they help businesses, you had said too. So the helping businesses, um, you know, in making their recruits comfortable, that takes that burden off of the company if they don't have HR personnel to go around driving people around and showing them all these different things. So they help them that way. Is there other connections they help with businesses? Do they connect businesses to each other or anything like that? um, What if you have a new business coming into town? That's what I thought they did, maybe. Well, if if there's a new business, then there's new employees coming into Uh town, and the the employees would be connecting with uh, Link and using them. Mm -hmm. And not only uh, are they doing this, but it's their... um, their objective and mission is, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And they have over 50 organizations that they connect to that are 
uh, also uh, DEI uh, cognizant and very, very skilled at doing that. And so they are bringing all these organizations in to help in the situation, whether it's a need for a realtor or a need for some other uh, expert. Uh, so they can bring all these different entities together to help that uh, hiring uh, situation. And, you know, here in the United States, in fact, you know, here in the United States, not only do we have an issue about workforce, you know, a recent study here in the Lehigh Valley, 89% of the Valley employers experience challenges in recruiting, mm-hmm. hiring, or retaining talent. 89%. That's just about the, you know, the vast majority of companies who are employers here need employees and are looking for talent. Mm-hmm. So here's an organization that is there to help, mm-hmm. help, help attract and retra- retain uh, employees with talent. Mm-hmm. And how does someone learn more about Link? Uh, for more information about Link, uh, go to their website. Mm-hmm. That's linc-lv.org. Link-lv.org. So who would be um, attracted to that that service, Tom? Would, would it be the business itself or would it be the individuals coming in? to the community like who, who is someone paying for that service uh there's membership organizations and, and okay. i'm not able to tell you what that ar- financial arrangement is okay but uh the companies that would typically reach out the parties that would typically reach out the link would be the companies that are doing the recruiting the employer okay and maybe they're already part of the maybe they're a member already of mm-hmm. link Maybe they are just hearing about Link right now and realize that there is an organization here to help support and help sell the Lehigh Valley to their talent that they're trying to recruit. Okay. And does Link um, coordinate with other uh, economic development yes, you know, that's op- part of the 50. organizations? Yeah, right. Okay. All they right. Do. So that's good to know. And this event you're having uh, November 2nd, what, who, who, it, who would be an attendee of that? Uh, somebody who's interested in networking, learning more about Link or learning more about uh, uh, co-working, shared office space, and uh, flexible office space. Okay. Uh, Tom, thanks for your insights this evening. I know that you come with a lot of experience around real estate investment as well as business management as well. We didn't get to talk about all the tax consequences of, of um, owning real estate, whether we have commercial real estate, residential rental, how we own it. Do we own it individually in a partnership and an S-corp? So there's kind of little nuances and complications to some of that. But the most important thing is if you're a real estate investor and you have um, an interest in continuing in investing in real estate, there is an opportunity for you to defer taxes for some time or all time if you follow particular um, guidelines by the IRS under code section 1031. And it's it's a favorable uh, outcome for many people, especially uh, those who want to continue that investment. So Tom, thanks for coming on. And if people want more information about Valley National, what is the website? Uh, well, my uh, 
my recommendation would be to go to valleynationalgroup.com. Okay. Thank you so much. And until next time, thank you for being here. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Bob and Cindy, for being here. Thank you, Peter. Um, Next week, I'm talking about how and timing of charitable giving, how to do it and the timing of it for charitable giving. Coming up next, we have Tom Druckenmiller within the tradition of folk music. Remember, pay attention, be proactive, not reactive. Make the best of your financial choices and have a great week.